This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Lots of fight news this week. We got you covered with all of it right here on Tapped Out, the BetQL Network. Brendan Tobin joining me down in Miami. I'm Sean Levine in Kansas City. And speaking of joining, coming up at 520, so about 20 minutes from now, Mike Bond from USA Today, Rolling Stone, MMA junkie, you know his work. He's going to join the show. And then we got Calvin Cater coming up at the top of the 6 o'clock hour and you. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. For the next two hours, appreciate you tuning in. Let's go ahead and weigh in right off the top, BT. We almost had Volkanovski, Matt Holloway, part three. And then all of a sudden, we don't. Looks like Max Holloway is out of the fight. My question is, who's in? Because it looks like it could be Korean Zombie, and that would be a banger. Yeah, that's the champ's call initially, and it felt like everybody kind of threw their hat in the ring this week. We even had Henry Cejudo making an an appearance. On social media, he says he wants to to go for a third championship. Everybody, you know, you see that opportunity to step in there. You swing big, uh, and it's a stacked division too, man. So it's one of those things where I don't think we're going to go wrong. I think there's a lot of fun matchups. I honestly was a little surprised that we got the third Volkanovski-Holloway thing. It's just not a typical thing when you have O2. I know how the fights went. Like, look, I think Max Holloway should have gotten his hand raised. So, But even still, I, I still find it surprising that they went that direction and so you get the bummer news. Max Holloway is one of the greats out there. We love watching him fight. It's tough that he's uh, he's not going into this one. Finish that sentence. Do you think Max Holloway should have got his hand raised both times? Uh, I I mean definitely the second game. The second for the sure. second fight. The second one was uh, was no question. I, I mean I think there's an argument for the first one for Volk sure, but it's still the, it's just a rare thing, man. The, the you know to to have a third fight and a guy is zero and two in the record books. I was looking forward to it, but whatever option ends up going up against him, I mean, Volkanovski versus maybe our guest coming up at the top of the 6 o'clock hour, Calvin Cater. Are you going to ask him why he hasn't thrown his name in the hat for this fight? Definitely, because, you know, that's an interesting thing that everybody is basically in this top 5-6. They're making their little pitch. They're making their campaign. Josh Emmett uh, was talking to Mike Bond recently. He was saying that he, you know, thinks that he's deserving. He has a win streak going. I get that, too. Uh, I think the thing that just speaks to is, look, it is a very stacked division. There are a lot yeah. of good options for Volkanovski. It's just interesting that Volkanovski is looking at it and he says, you know, Korean Zombie, that's the way I want to go. Korean Zombie responds on social media. But as we've seen with Dustin Poirier this week, look, that doesn't necessarily mean the fight's going to get done. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what direction the UFC goes, especially with there being a featherweight matchup next week with Calvin Cater and with Giga that, you know, maybe somebody is just unbelievable in that performance and that's enough to vault them and say, hey, you want to do a title shot pretty soon? Calvin Cater, less than an hour from now, right here on Tapped Out on the BetQL Network. So that one right now, we don't know who's going to be facing Volkanovski. We do know that uh, 
Derek Lewis is going to be taking on Ty Tuivasa. I saw it was taking place in Houston. I remember what took place last time in Houston when Derek Lewis is on the card. It didn't work out well for him. Were you surprised to see his back fighting in his hometown so soon? I uh, I was I, I was a little surprised just because of like the rankings of it all because you know if you think of a, a guy like Derek Lewis doesn't really need to fight a guy like tu- Ty Tuivasa uh, who's who's not even in the top ten yet but also speaks to Derek Lewis like the guy wants to do fun fights the guy wants to go out there and I think be a fan favorite and you know I think you're you're talking about the two most fan friendly guys in the heavyweight division everybody loves these guys I don't want anybody to lose. Because I want Ty Tuivasa to win. I want him to do this shoey. But I want Derek Lewis to win. I want the awesome post-game interview. And I also just want to see an entertaining scrap between both of them. Because they throw crazy bombs. So, in in, in, in a one way, I think for a normal fighter, yeah, you look at a guy at Derek Lewis's standing and say, yeah, it is kind of surprising that he would, you know, lend this kind of an opportunity to Ty Tuivasa. But also, it's Derek Lewis. He's one, you know, he, he's, he's a real one. He, he goes out there and he entertains the fans. So, I, I'm not surprised by the man who did it. I'm just more surprised by the situation. What an opportunity is for Taito Ivasa, though. He's on this streak. If he gets a shoey victory against Derek Lewis, who it, he's got to be the toughest heavyweight to try to put props on or to try to put the numbers on because it feels like he's an underdog, then he wins. He's a favorite, then he loses. In this particular fight, he's a relatively sizable favorite against Tai Tuivasa. So we've got that one coming up. And then also announced BT is Aljo Yan 2. That's coming up March 25th in Las Vegas. It's weird because I don't know how favored Yan's going to be, even though technically Sterling is the champion right now. But I know that he's going to be a heavy favorite. And most of the time, that's not the case. Yeah, certainly at times the underdog or the the guy that doesn't have the belt comes in with the plus money. But I think it's going to be like, you know, I think Jan's going to come in like a minus 250 or something like that. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation for Aljo because, you know, it's not his fault of the situation. Like, he didn't break (laughs) the rules in their championship (laughs) fight. And then, like, it, it was just kind of how everything kind of fell out, you know, because he kind of took it that night and he wasn't very celebratory because of the way things happened. But then he was kind of just like, screw it. I'm the champ and went that route. And I don't think, I don't think that was very becoming of it to a lot of people. And so here's this guy, he takes the illegal shot, but everybody is seemingly mad at him. It's a little bit weird. Um, But yeah, we, we all saw how that, that fight was going, Sean. Like we know that he was in trouble. It was going bad. And it probably was, if, if, if Piotr Jan was able to keep his head on and was able to follow the rules, he, would have been champ by then now. Now he's just got the interim title on him. But I, I think that, yeah, there's a reason for, for Aljo being such a big underdog. We all kind of saw how that was going. Can he can he somehow get himself in a mode where he is good enough or improve enough or did he take enough from that performance to where he can turn things around? I don't know. I think that's a tall task for him. How dirty did you feel? Like, did you have to shower after that first fight? Because like you said, Jan was winning. Aljo was definitely behind in that fight if it ended up going to the cards. I don't think the UFC needs to change that rule, BT, that for a championship fight, the belt can't change hands based on something like that. But we almost saw it a couple of years ago. Remember with the uh, Anthony Smith, John Jones fight? Like Anthony Smith, essentially, if he would have said that I can't fight right now, then he would have been the champion and that would have been John's second loss. I don't know how you feel about it, but it almost feels like the UFC needs to do something about the way that Aljamain ended up with the belt. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I just think that it's one of those things where it depends on how you kind of hold it. Like you think about like when Justin Gaethje became interim champ, he kind of threw it to the ground. 
And I think a lot of people like that. Like he didn't see himself as the champion until he beat Habib Nurmagomedov. So I think that it really is on the fighter to how they treat that moment, who they beat, the situation that they get there in. Um, you know, it's such a rarity. I don't know if they have to prevent something like that. I think that maybe it's just maybe would be on the awareness of the guy who gets the belt in that situation to say, to not really take this victory lap because, you know, your opponent broke the rules. But the thing that's unfortunate for the guy who ends up with the strap is it's not their fault. Like they didn't break the rules. The guy who broke the rules broke the rules. I see what you're saying, although it does just feel kind of dirty, and at least they're going to run it back. That's coming up March 25th in Las Vegas. Aljo versus Jan, part two. Tapped out here on the BetQL Network, Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Jake Galley with us as well. Tyler and CJ helping out, and a special thanks to Drew getting us on the airwaves today. Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, you hinted at it there momentarily. Is it going to happen? And let's say it does happen. Dustin's got to be a huge betting favorite, right? Would think so. Um, it's it's an interesting thing that you know Dustin goes on Teddy Alice's podcast this week and he says that he's agreed to uh, a very short notice fight with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz kind of kind of debunks it on Twitter, and then reports come out and say that the UFC is not going to make it anytime soon. So I guess we're leaning towards it's not going to happen. I I want the matchup to happen. They have a lot of heat between each other. That's been it was announced once and then it kind of got blown up, and they've you know, had this bitterness between them ever since. Um, so yeah, I think it's a fun fight for Dustin, but yeah, I would absolutely say he's would be a very heavy favorite. He has got the far better record, the far better resume. And, uh, and I like him in that matchup as well, because you feel like in a matchup like that, that Nate is going to bring great boxing and all that type of stuff. I guess you would say there's a definite size discrepancy that probably goes Nate's way, but I don't know if it's enough that it would dissuade me from thinking that Dustin can't handle that from uh, from from a striking standpoint. So they're messing with us again? Because remember the first time around, they were going to create a new weight division. They were going to go at it, and it was all but said and done, at least according to their Twitter accounts. And now you're telling me that this is just smoke in the air? Well, that's the thing, man. It's like we're in this day and age where everybody just wants to stir stuff up on social media, and they're not necess- necessarily the guys who make the decisions. So I would like – I would love this fight. Don't get me wrong. Even though – you know, I think we've been talking on this show, like, hey, will we get Nate and Connor? Is that going to be Connor's comeback fight? You know, but but I, I do think that Nate wants to get in there and wants to be active. And I think that Dustin Poirier is certainly a very credible opponent. And if he beats him, you know, you beat a guy like Dustin Poirier. I don't know what kind of title aspirations Nate has at this point in his career, but certainly puts you right in there because he's one of the best in the world. I think it would be interesting on in saying where are they going to do that fight? I would venture to guess probably at 170. I don't think they want to cut for that fight. Dustin's kind of said he's he, he might have 155 in the rearview mirror, but yeah, man, I I, uh, I I wish that if it was official on Twitter, that was good enough. But man, you know, it seems seems like you got to have it signed off by some certain brass at the UFC. Twitter beats me once again. Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine here on Tapped Out on the BetQL Network coming up in just a few minutes. Mike Bond's going to join us, the senior. Uh, from USA Today, uh, Rolling Stone, and of course, MMA Junkie. You know his work. He's going to join us coming up in our next segment. You mentioned coming back. I'm sure you've seen the training footage of John Jones with Triple C. Which one of those guys gets back in the octagon first? Because it feels like at some point they're both coming back in 2022. Yeah, I like seeing that Triple C was hinting uh, that, he w- that he was willing to come back. Now, he was willing to come back to come at a third championship against Volkanovski, but you know, I, I, I think we got that was one of those careers that feel like it, it, you're like it's you're stepping away now. Like this is this seems so strange. You just became this this reigning two division champ. You did what a lot of people didn't think you were going to be able to do. 
And, you know, it, it was just kind of cut off from there. It runs you a little bit of like Namaga Madoff leaving maybe when there was so much more to bite off. But no, the difference think- is, though, BT, let me cut you off, is Khabib doesn't have that ego. Like Triple C, there's a reason why he's the king of cringe because he has an ego. He'll tell you himself. And the, this is not like Robert Whitaker. This is not Khabib. This mm-hmm. is more Conor McGregor where the reason I don't think he stops is because he can't. Like his ego won't let him, which is why when Triple C said he was done, I knew he wasn't done. You know, you know he wasn't done. Yeah, but if you have an ego, why do you step away when you're at your hottest? Like, I don't no know idea. if it's I, no I don't idea. understand why it does come to an end at that point. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but if you're going to go that route, like, why does he step away in the first place if you're loving the limelight? Uh, but to answer your question, to get back to it, I think John's going to be back first. I think that uh, I think that we're all just kind of I think once we have the France Ngannou and Cyril Gon fight happen, I feel like the natural thing is John's got to be there. I, I hope that they they're smart enough to do that even though I know he's got controversy kind of always around him. You got to have John in the crowd for that fight. And I feel like he's got to be there for one of those guys to, you know, call him out. And then it naturally gets to, okay, summertime, John Jones is fighting for the heavyweight title. That fight's not in Vegas, right? That fight's in Anaheim? Yes. Okay, yes, then let John Jones in. Yeah, let him go. Vegas yeah, yeah. And, Vegas, go Disneyland? John, we've learned that's not necessarily the best mix. You brought up the name Ngannou. I saw the early odds if he was to get in the boxing ring versus Tyson Fury. Fury would be like a minus 600. That sounded about right to you? Yeah, I feel like Fury would crush him in boxing. Um, <laughs> Fury's, you know, this is the thing that's wild about it because he is uh, he's a ginormous man. I've seen Francis Ngannou in person. He, he is very scary. I would not trifle with this man. But he's still got a, a lot of size discrepancy going up against a guy like Tyson Fury, who also has the skills advantage. The thing that was weird about this this week, though, is like, Tyson Fury said that he would do it with MMA gloves on. Like they're saying they're not going to do, he doesn't want to do just a pure boxing match, which I honestly think it's interesting with Fury because he's also going through his own negotiation that he doesn't want to fight the contender that he's, he's up against. And Francis is kind of in a parallel with that where he's in a bit of a discrepancy with his, uh, with his employer. So I think it would, it's fun to talk about. I don't know if there is any likelihood that this happens at least this year, but if it were to happen, I minus 600, I honestly kind of feel like that's a little generous. I feel like Tyson Fury could even be a, a bigger favorite in, in boxing. Well, the part that doesn't make sense to me, and I think at some point in Ghana will cross over, all these guys that say that they're going to do it at some point they have in the last couple of years. With Nganu, why not fight a guy like Deontay Wilder? Not to talk any shade on him, but that's not quite we, – we've seen the difference between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and, and there's levels to this game, as they say, and there's a little bit of a difference – why would he step up and fight the champion his first time in the ring? Well, look, the champ is the guy who called him out. Like Tyson was the one who uh, who started the yeah. whole the whole thing this week. Uh, so I guess my only answer to that would be Deontay isn't that big onto Twitter, and and he decided not to do that. But I think the reason for uh, for Fury is that um, Fury is looking. He's trying to pull some options to make it seem like he's got leverage right now with this whole thing with the WBC he's going through. So I think that's kind of why he does it. I think he likes to to entertain. He's just he he likes engaging in this type of stuff. He has hinted at doing MMA before. He's done some working out with Darren Till before. So I honestly would be intrigued by seeing what Fury would look like in MMA more so than I would seeing uh, France Ngannou go to box. I would like to see what the Gypsy King would be like with uh, with all rules on the line. Speaking of switching over to the MMA from boxing or boxing to MMA and big underdogs. 
You said it's going to happen at some point in 2022. Let's say Jake Paul does get into Dana's octagon in the UFC on a pay-per-view fight against the guy you said he's going to fight, George Masvidal. What kind of plus odds can I get on Jake Paul to win that fight? Oh, man. What do they have Francis at for boxing? What was it like plus 360 or something yeah, like plus that? Yeah, 400. Yeah, right around there. Double that. for Double for, that? Double that for Jake Paul going against Jorge Masvidal in the, in the octagon. I disagree, but we'll ask a guy that knows more than us coming up next from USA Today, Rolling Stone, and MMA Junkie. He is Mike Bond, and he joins us next right here on Tapped Out. You're locked in to the Vet QL Network.